0: Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... It's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Hello Ian, hello listener. A weird thing happened to me just then, that's where I went and with me is, and I was about to say your name. Wow. It's <laughs> like...
1: Could work. <laughs> Let me get this wheel spinning, Ian. Why don't you just tell me what you were telling me before we started recording about the weather in Melbourne?
0: Ah. Oh. You know, Matt, it's one of my favourite things, one of my favourite pastimes is to come from the north of England to Melbourne, Australia, and complain about the weather. And I was saying, the other day, you wouldn't believe it, Matt, from a man who has spent a lot of time living in Edinburgh, <laughs> the, the temperature dropped in Melbourne to three, four degrees. Wow. So
1: Yeah, my heart goes out to you, mate. My heart goes out to you from the Northern Hemisphere, and I'm sure all our listeners over here, I uh, feel a lot of sympathy for you too, mate. Um, look, the wheel stopped spinning. And uh, it's out of bounds, so I'll take this one if that's okay with you, Ian.
0: Out of bounds? You took it very quickly from me there, even if I had something, Matt. It feels like you just <laughs> snatched that away from me. I have lots of out of bounds things prepared, but I'll let you take this one. You can uh, drive this one home.
1: Absolutely. Well, dry, drive is right, Ian. This this is a golfer, the story of John Montague. Oh, nice. Thank you.
0: Oh, first of all, Matt, hang on. John Montague. Yeah. That sounds like someone who, like, is on the circuit trying to mimic, like, Colin Montgomery. Oh. You no, know, like a, a, a an act who's, like, very similar. John Montague. <laughs> he sounds upper class. He sounds... But John is, like, quite a working class name. Well, he's... An... But Montague, that... He's a no, he's by no means, uh, yeah, an upper class
1: lad. He's actually, uh, he's very working class. He's from America, from, um, from New York. Um, but... The story I want to tell you, Ian, is about when John Montague arrived in Hollywood uh, with his golf clubs and with his secrets. Um, it's one of the, one of the ones you like, Ian. A bit of a, a bit of a Cluedo <laughs> sort of start story here.
0: There's not many people who dream of going to Hollywood with a combination of those two things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, golf clubs are secrets. That's what he had. I mean, oh dear. But look,
1: he's from. That's he's great. actually. He was, so John Montagu is actually born Laverne Moore um, to this working class family in New York. What's interesting about uh, Laverne or John, is how physically impressive he was. So even as a child, he used to spend hours in his family home using the beams up in the attic, kind of like a gym, you know, swinging around. And then after after doing all this to work on his upper body strength, he would then get weights and he would strap them to his wrists and to his ankles and just stand motionless just to really build the strength up. I mean, it sounds to me like a bit of a torture type of device, you know, like stretching yourself out. But it meant that he he had this huge, huge frame and was just a natural athlete. So as a child growing up, he's excelling at baseball, football, um, basketball, skiing, uh, pool um, and golf. You know, so he's, he's really talented, physically impressive kid. Um, but it's golf that, that makes him famous. And what he does is when he's only seven years old, he actually finds a golf ball in the street and he starts to fashion a golf club from a gas pipe and a broom handle. Um, and he's whacking the ball around and he he ends up (laughs) smashing, the. you know, he's so, he's so strong, even as seven years old, he actually smashes a, a plate glass window of this cigar store, um, in New York. And, uh, like his dad's reaction was to to pay for the window, but also to go out and buy buy him a, a set of golf clubs, and, and and that's where his sort of his passion starts from there. You know, he's he's got the wow. he's got the physicality, <laughs> and now he's actually got some golf clubs. I love how good is that he starts off using a broom handle as well, and he's still generating enough power as a seven year old to smash a window across
0: the street. That's not what I'm thinking of, matter Any parents listening? Will be thinking if my kid went to the local cigar shop and smashed the window to great cost, I wouldn't go out and say, "Well done, son! You can have a you can have a set of tailor made golf clubs." <laughs> well, the- it's pretty pretty nice of his dad to uh, to support his endeavours in this in this Absolutely, way. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Give, give him a chance. Well, the thing about about John Montague or or Laverne as he was back then. He was really charismatic. So as well as being a, a big physical specimen, um, now with his golf clubs, the other thing to note about John Montague is he's a real character. And uh, one, of, one of the things he likes to do is, is please the crowd and impress people. So with his new golf clubs that his dad's got him, he starts developing some trick shots. So one of his, his favourite things to do is to bury these three golf balls on top of each other in a sand trap ask which one he's going to they want him to hit and be able to dig it out so you have but you'd, you know d- dig out that ball that that the crowd are asking him for and leave the other two sort of resting in the sand so he's he's you know he's always trying to develop something like a trick shot that's gonna gonna get
0: people cheering and a bit of interest but C- can i just go back i'm a bit obsessed by this now matt i'm, uh, I'm still thinking about the cigar shop uh John Montague very much sounds like he smokes cigars. I can imagine him doing these trick shots with a big Cuban cigar. Right. I just, I just can't get away from this, this image. And also, a seven-year-old who is physically dominant uh, terrifies me. You know, particularly when they've got a bit of personality behind them as well. Like, it's, he it sounds like he'd run the neighbourhood, and that, that quite frankly is, is terrifying. But. What a, what a start to his life! What a what a character he sounds! Absolutely.
1: Well, he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger, and he's getting wilder. You know, I'm probably I'm not sure if he does smoke cigars. I'm afraid that didn't come up in the research, but he, he may well have done. Um, <laughs> he was only five foot ten, but he was he weighed almost sixteen stone, like, and that's that's muscle. So wow. he is he's an absolute unit. And around 1934, brings his talent and his tricks um, to Hollywood. Okay, along with his his oversized golf clubs. And he he falls in with a bit of a celebrity crowd at the lakeside golf course. And by the age of thirty, he's the club champion. Now, as I said, he's a bit of a bit of a character and he starts knocking around with all these celebrities at the the Lakeside Golf Course in Hollywood. And he ends up moving in and becoming the flatmate of Oliver Hardy.
0: What? Oliver Hardy from
1: Laurel and Hardy yeah absolutely the big beat- no. the big beat- one well, yeah so so they're 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 flatmates and uh, they're living together and every time Hardy would walk into the grill room at the Lakeside Golf Club Montague would pick him up and just put him on the bar <laughs> and you've got to think anybody who knows Laurel and Hardy Oliver Hardy is a big guy like he's a he, he he would have some pounds on him, but yeah, his his favorite trick was just to pick him up and and put him on the bar. Also, he didn't just pick up Oliver Hardy. There was an actor called George Bancroft who, in 1929, had been nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor. So again, A-list Hollywood would actor George Bancroft, and then um, he used to used to pick him up, turn him upside down, and then stuff him into a locker. At the at the lakeside and just shut the door. So, you know, th- th- just this is just to give you a bit of an idea about his hijinks. He's <laughs> clearly one of the lads. You know, everybody's enjoying his company. He's a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit of a lad, I guess. Um, like me and you, absolutely. Matt, one of the, one of the lads. But he's uh, look. It's it's his golf that that is sort of I guess giving him the most notoriety. One time he's um. He was out with Bing Crosby.
0: <laughs> I love the way you are just bang and dropping these names. It's oh, great, isn't it? One after the other, and it's like wow. It sh- shows you though that in these like club settings, I suppose uh, you gain the attraction and admiration of people if you're really good at a sport, which obviously he evidently is. But then to be charismatic and to be part of the gang as well is like quite the. Extra bit to the icing on the cake, the cherry on top. He's
1: absolutely hobnobbing with with you know the nineteen thirties, you know a listers. He absolutely is. Um,
0: anyway, Bing Bing Crosby. Yeah, yeah, Bing Crosby.
1: This is yeah. So basically, <laughs> great. He beats Bing Crosby, and Bing Crosby's complaining or grumbling on. So he suggests, look, let's have let's let's have a, a side bet. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have one more hole. Crosby, you you take your clubs, and I'm going to take a baseball bat, a shovel, and a rake. And, you know, we'll go double or quits on this one hole. Um, uh, 366-yard hole, par four. So Crosby hits his drive about 250 yards, middle of the green, but misses the putt for a birdie by two feet. Montague tosses his ball up into the air, hits it with the baseball bat... (laughs) It lands in a sand trap, so he goes over with his shovel and digs it out onto the green, about 30 foot from the pin. Then he lies down on the ground and uses the garden rake as a pool cue and sinks sinks it in free. So he's managed to, <laughs> using a shovel, <laughs> a baseball bat, and a rake, as
0: uh, as yeah, as sort of potted it in free. And his is, is dad would be hearing that story back in New York thinking, the ally bought him a set of golf clubs. I could have just taken him to the garden centre.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolute, absolute character. So the wow. the funny thing is he loves the attention he's getting, but he doesn't really brag about it. So he never really, um, you know, he's with all these A-listers. The media is always around trying to get pictures. He, he doesn't want his photograph taken. Um, he doesn't really talk about himself or where he's from or what his background is people are telling him to join the pro tour and he says no he's he's not really interested um, he's not playing in any tournaments he's not having his photograph taken so there's a bit of I guess intrigue because it, he's, he's almost a little bit secretive even though he's in another way he's absolutely not and he's totally out there flaunting and peacocking around Um So there's this sports writer called uh, Grantland Rice who plays a few rounds with Montague and then ends up writing an article about him and that sort of really launches him into the public eye. And Time Magazine in 1937 uh, actually hired a freelance photographer to hide in the bushes and get photographs of him and some of the other uh, guys from from this course. Um, Look, Montague's barely recognisable in the pictures. But they get published anyway in Time Magazine, and that's sort of where this the story turns, I guess, because in August nineteen thirty, so seven years previously, um, which would have been a few years before Montague appeared in Hollywood, as I said, he arrived in nineteen thirty four in New York State. There was a restaurant called Hannah's Restaurant that had been robbed by four men wearing masks and uh, holding guns and the dining room was connected to the apartment where the Hannah family lived and one of the gunmen had forced like uh, Mr. Hannah and his wife to the floor and, and went into the residence and, and sort of actually bound and gagged the children they found the grandfather and, and hit him uh, with the butt of a gun. So they ended up robbing the place. The, the wife had to empty the safe and they escaped with about $750 um, and then the police were looking for them and the speeding car comes round so there's now a high speed chase there's two cars two in a ford and two in a, a pontiac the ford ends up crashing and uh, one of the the driver is killed so one of the getaway driver and um the other passengers arrested obviously uh, but the other two in the in the pontiac get away in interestingly a, a car of the same make is stopped uh, by some by some cops further up the road but one of them tell, says his name's Lawrence Ryan, and he sort of talks his way out of the situation, so they let him go. But a few days later, the driver of that car turns himself in, and in that car, they find a golf bag, um, some golf clubs, and a driver's license, uh, which sort of says it's it's really Laverne Moore, uh, and suddenly they're thinking, oh, that guy who said his name was Lawrence Ryan was probably Laverne Moore. The police turn up at Laverne's uh, family home, speak to his mum, but his mum says Look, she's got no idea where he is. Uh, he'd, he'd left the day after the robbery and, and he's just vanished. So Laverne Moore's just disappeared. And then four years later, a guy called John Montague appears in, in Hollywood. Wow. Um, anyway... So Time magazine's released these pictures now, you know, back into 1937 and uh, obviously he's got national coverage and, and uh, New York uh, State Police Inspector John Cossard, um, he reads a Time and he sees the article about Montague and sees the pictures and he just thinks the similarities here between Montague's prowess, like athletic prowess and physicality, it's just too similar to you know and he's suspicious so he sort of has a has a sense that maybe this is Laverne Moore
0: isn't that amazing though that like I suppose so much like a, in the modern day we rely upon like uh technology to to show face recognition or AI or or, or we uh, you know we're, we're tracking people because they use the bank card or log in in the email account or whatever it is that gives them away but back then like to be that police guy who's like i reckon that's like seven years because that's seven years down the track seven years it? later yeah that's right and he's reading time where there's you're not flicking through time to see like a list of oh i wonder who, which criminals are in yeah, here exactly. this week yeah you know like so he's it would be a relatively obscure kind of top thing and to to add that together top police work okay eh? that's yeah, it is pretty good isn't yeah, it yeah well he, wow. he have,
1: he's obviously over in new york and uh Hollywood's on the other side of the country in L.A. So he gets in touch um, with the L.A. police department and they go out and they arrest John Montague. He's charged with armed robbery. Um, When he gets to jail, he admits that his real name is Laverne Moore and he is from New York. But he's released on bail, um, $10,000 worth of bail. And he signs the papers... uh, John John Montague and off he goes. Suddenly, he doesn't really have this um reluctance to speak to the press anymore or pose for photos. Suddenly, well, why would he? You know, he's he's been caught. So all of a sudden, he's happy to speak to, to reporters, answer any questions, pose for photos. Again, he's still not revealing anything too personal, but you know, he mentions that he's made a mistake when he's a kid, he's trying to be good, and all of his celebrity friends. Obviously, shocked to learn that this guy's a fugitive, but but they come out in support of him.
0: Is this story going to end mass with him being president? Because <laughs> it sounds like he's a criminal, he's uh, he's on the run, he's a fugitive. The police are after him, but he has celebrity mates, so it's all all right, pretty much. Well,
1: look, he's, it's actually not the first time that Montague or Laverne has been been arrested. Back in 1927, he was um, he's arrested for impersonating a police officer. To, he was going into a grocery store, and they that that shop had been selling alcohol, uh, and it was prohibition times, nineteen twenty seven. So he was basically trying to extort payments from the shopkeeper um, to keep quiet about the liquor sales. But of course, he he wasn't a policeman, uh, so it was it was just a racket. Um, but he ended up uh, so he was arrested for that, but he ended up pleading guilty to a reduced charge and got off with just a fine. But as I say, that was back in, in 1927. Now we're in 1937. And in, on August the 21st, um, Montague's extradited to New York. He, he arrives in um, Union Station, sorry, in LA. Um, and it's going to be a three day trip to get him all the way to, to New York. He had porters with him carrying 20 bags for his wardrobe. 20? <laughs>
0: 20 bags you <laughs> spent and i don't know what you're about to say here matt but you spent quite a long time painting the picture of what a charismatic uh, magnetic individual john Montagu was and you could have just said he had 20 bags of clones. because <laughs> that's either a very charismatic person or a person whose life is completely off the rails <laughs> but- well hundreds of people have
1: come out to cheer him as he's getting onto this train because now he's 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 become a bit of a media darling. All the celebrities are on his team. He's he's coming out doing doing interviews, so he's really courting public opinion. Um, he gets to New York. Uh, he just turns thirty four. He actually spends his thirty fourth birthday in jail, whilst the judge decides on on his bail uh, to be to be released from New York, and he ends up getting released on a twenty five thousand dollar bond. And he, he's obviously back home in New York State. Is that's where his family's from, so. He's now out. You know, the, uh, he's, he's, he's come up with the 25 grand to, to get out on bail. He says, oh yeah, I'm going to go straight to my mum's house. I haven't seen her in ages. Does he fly straight off to a cocktail party <laughs> with all his celebrity chums? He doesn't care. Okay. <laughs> but the next day... Um, Poor mum. He ends up... He, uh, he goes to court, um, obviously, and... Now, people all over the country are following this trial. It's it's the trial of the decade to the point where additional phone lines have to be installed um, to accommodate all of these extra reporters, this influx of of journalists that are so interested in it. He's staying um, in the Deer's Head Inn, and he ends up renting all 17 rooms for himself. Um, You know, he's such a... (laughs) I don't know what the word is, but he's hired out the
0: whole hotel just to give himself a bit of privacy and a bit of peace. Where's he getting all the money from? Do we know? Like, he's obviously getting money because he's he's doing playing golf in in Hollywood. But like, if he's not on the pro tour and he's not like, is is he maybe celebrities are helping him out? What's the what's the go there?
1: Maybe it's 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 not really explained to be honest.
0: Or, or maybe there's
1: some other undetected criminal activity. I don't. know. Maybe maybe I don't know. But certainly now he's. Yeah as I say, really courting, courting the public. You know, he's signing autographs for teenage girls and, like, he's getting his pictures in all of the newspapers. Um, but he goes to court anyway and the witnesses for the prosecution are coming out and one of them saying, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we heard one of the robbers use the name Vern. And But in his defence, he's got four character witnesses and his mum all coming out. His mum says he was in bed his two sisters are corroborating that his friends testifying that he was just down the golf course but then went to bed so everybody's coming out and explaining and then he ends up taking the stand himself and sort of explains what he's been doing for the last seven years but just you know he's absolutely saying he's he's innocent of this um the jury go off Spend five year, five hours. Can say five years. Then five hours of deliberating. <laughs> um, they come back after five hours, which as I don't know. To me, that is obviously a bit of discussion, but they end up with a verdict of not guilty. The crowd goes wild; everyone's cheering. But the judge, and I don't know how often this must happen, but the judge just disagrees with the verdict, and he tells the jury that he's, dis- <laughs> he's disappointed in them for not convicting him, but. Is celebrity status wow. and his expensive lawyers obviously paid off, and he's a free man? But like for the judge to say, "Lads, I'm disappointed in you." That's like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's pretty incredible, yeah, right? It is, isn't it? Because I think you, I, th- I don't know whether how it was back in the '30s, but obviously now there's quite the sensitivity towards how influenced the jury are by celebrity or. You know, how influenced they might be by stories in the media, in the press. So sometimes they do seek jurors who are from simpler uh, rural backgrounds where they have no, you know, they don't know who Johnny Depp is, for example, Mm. or they don't, they've never heard of whoever said criminal, uh, potential criminal might be. Whereas I don't know in the 30s, I I suppose the media and stuff, there's only a few outlets that everybody would have known who he was. Everybody would have kind of... And if he's charismatic and likeable as an individual. um, But but I'm thinking of poor uh, Hannah's, the restaurant owner and the restaurant. They had the day in court, but they they lost. Um, And yeah, he's a free
1: man, so he's out. And um, obviously now... He's got his celebrity status. He's got his celebrity friends, and there's not really any point in avoiding the, the public eye anymore because he's, uh, you know, he's been acquitted. So, um, yeah, he ends up uh, joining the pro tour. You know, he moves back to Hollywood. His his first public exhibition match is a foursome with Babe Ruth um, and Babe D- Didrikson, um, but so many spectators show up that the players actually had to to give up. Because uh, the crowds were just were just insane. Um, they just wow, couldn't...
0: Babe Diedrichson, Matt, The previous episode on Babe, um, yeah, who was one of the you know greatest athletes who ever lived, and Babe Ruth as well, and Babe Ruth, yeah, all the babes, the most... <laughs> babes in the woods, That's babes it, yeah. in the Hollywoods, yes, <laughs> very good, very good. Um, but
1: yeah, they, they it's like the crowds are coming out for them. As I say, he started playing uh golf but he never he never makes the cut for anything. Um and he's he's probably partying too much, he's getting overweight. Um you know, his his friends are still defending his reputation, but like his bad his bad golf just, just as meaning that he can't really make a career out of it probably because of too much too much booze, too much partying. Like he got Wilson Sporting Goods as a sponsor. Um, and he went off on a tour of Hawaii, Philippines, and Japan. But he did so badly that they dropped him as soon as he got back. So wow, it's sort of uh, he's unraveling a little bit. He ends up marrying a widow called Esther Plunkett. She's she's got two kids. Uh, he, she ends up dying in nineteen forty seven. So within ten years, he ends up doing an investment joint investment thing with um, Johnny Weissmuller, John Wayne, and Fred McMurray. Um, but that that went that went pear shaped, and he, he ends up suing them. So he's sort of losing friends, losing money, his wife's dead um and yeah it is his sort of life just sort of just, just fades away really He ends up being arrested for drink driving he has a heart attack in the sixties in nineteen sixty three he falls off a ladder and he's he's in hospital for two months um like it's it's just it's just quite sad really and by nineteen seventy two he has another heart attack and dies. Um, and his body actually lay unclaimed in the mortuary for for over a week. And when he when he did have his funeral, uh, only twenty twenty something people turned up. So like he's gone from this, you know, <laughs> darling of the media and uh, and celebrities to just by the seventies just been sort of a nobody. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know how much sympathy to have with him. He was he was innocent of everything, but. Perhaps uh, perhaps that was more through, through bad, <laughs> bad, uh, a bad criminal justice system more than anything else.
0: That's the story of John Montague anyway, or Laverne Moore. That is extraordinary. And I think, uh, you know, there's there's many countries that uh, have a capacity to be able to uh, support suspected criminals <laughs> through their fame and success. Um, but quite, like, he, he really... I wonder if he, when he was a young man, whether he would have chosen... To either live an average life or to live a a life of those extreme highs, but Peter away towards the end of his life, I wonder if he would have chosen that as a young man that would be quite quite an interesting thing, but um now, a great episode matt um like I love the wheel of sport when we just have these things that like people we've never heard of, or like stories that just seem impossible to have happened this is one of them, John Montague. Like, for credit to him as well, For he had a pretty good name to begin with. <laughs> I know he had to change it, but that's a pretty <laughs> solid change of name, isn't it? John Montague. Almost imagine him with a monocle. Um, but yeah, great story. Uh, thanks for listening as well. If you want to listen to more of the wheel of sports we have an exceptional back catalogue so make sure you dig into that and also share your favourite episodes with somebody who's never listened to the wheel of sports use whatsapp social media whatever you want pick your favourite episode send it on to a friend that way we can keep bringing you these excellent episodes the greatest sports stories ever told Matt, thanks so much. I'm off to uh, Bunnings Warehouse to uh, inspect the gardening equipment with a golf ball and a focus and attitude that I've never had in there. A... So, <laughs> good luck. On. To you. <laughs> I'll see you later. And uh, well played. That was excellent. The story of John Montague. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Bye.